You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Josiah. I'm joined by a very, 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 very special guest today. The one and only man, myth, legend, my father, ladies and gentlemen, Quint Pitts. We probably need to edit that out. (laughs) I don't think so. (laughs) It is funny, actually. Um, A lot of people ask me what it's like to work with my dad, and I have to tell him, you know, I I don't really work with him all that much. I never see you. (laughs) I see him on Mondays at the staff meeting, and that's... That's about it. So, but if you did work with me, it would be a great honor. To it you. would be a great honor for me. It would be a great <laughs> honor. Uh, so uh, today, uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, the topic from this past weekend's sermon, which had to do with vision, uh, God-given vision, vision for our lives. Uh, dig into that a little more deeply, and I guess I'd like to start off with a pretty simple question. Uh, that has to deal with you personally, and that is, how did you come to your own personal vision? Uh, that's a great question. We probably ought to start with a little clarifying caveat that, uh, you know, God's vision for our lives is multifaceted. It's hmm. it's almost like a better question would be, how did you come to your own personal visions ah, with an S? Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I have a vision for my life as a pastor, obviously. I I also have a vision for my life as a father. I have a vision for Sarah and me as a married couple. And I'm just starting now to explore God's vision for how I want to finish. You know, I'm, I'm in my mid-50s now. I know I look much younger. <laughs> so uh, much younger. Yes. Couldn't be past 30. <laughs> but I really, I really want to finish my ministry well, uh, and I want to finish my life well. So I'm just now starting to ask God, you know, about that. God, what do you want me to look like for retirement? Uh to uh, visitors, uh, visions, you know, they're just not for young people, I guess. That's that's a good uh, yes. way to start out, right? Yes. It's for every stage of your life. But back to your question. Uh, in my in my life, God has unfolded. I think that's the best word oh. to describe it. Uh, he unfolded his vision for my life in stages. And each stage has started with that process that I talked about in the message, you know. Mm-hmm. Start with what stirs my soul. Look for that divine must in my life, and there's probably more than one. Yep. And uh, be patient for God's timing. That's the most difficult part, uh, yes. I think. And uh, <laughs> also ask myself, is that a good idea or a God idea? It almost sounds like a bumper sticker, but I think it's a good It's a good thing. You know, It's a yeah. good thing to try to – because good idea folks will constantly be asking you to do stuff. We, in the military, we called them good idea fairies. You oh, know, yes. they'd come through, sprinkle good <laughs> ideas in your office and say, go do that. Uh, but you really can't allow that to kind of put you off your vision. It'll 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 distract you. It'll take your focus right. away. Um, so I used to joke around, you know, no one's ever asked me to be a drug dealer. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the enemy of vision isn't evil. The enemy of vision is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, there's good stuff that constantly will take you off your focus if you allow it. Yeah. Uh, that's actually interesting you bring that up. Uh, the author, Frederick Beekner. I don't know if you've read any of his stuff before, but he had something kind of similar to say about vision. He said uh, it was something to the effect of it's your vision, visions, plural for life, should have something to do with uh, where the world's uh, great hunger and your great giftings and passions meet. Right. Um, and I found that kind of helpful. And I think that's, I think that's, there's some of that what you're, yeah, yeah because there. if all you do is look at the world's needs, 
I don't see how you can make a nope. vision out of that. <laughs> but you have to marry need with the deep longings in your heart. Right. Yes, 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 yes. So all that being said, I guess that leads to another question, which what has it looked like for you personally, season to season, as your own vision has uh, matured or unfolded, as you like to say? How does, it, how does that looked for you? Well, when I was young, hard to believe, but I was very impetuous. You don't say. I was. <laughs> I was immature and impetuous, which is really scary. Uh, I've always had this, you know, curiosity about things. So when I discovered God had a vision for my life, I was like, wow, let's get started, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, I think my curiosity and impetuous nature sometimes caused me to run down a lot of rabbit trails. <laughs> I don't think that's necessarily evil or, or horrible. I don't think any harm came from it, but... Uh, God has a way of getting you back on course, you know, uh, yes. uh, but the biggest lesson when you're young, I think, is that God's always going to require patience of you when it comes to your vision. And that's true if your vision is for career, your ministry, your family, retirement, any any personal vision born of God requires patience. It's just baked into the thing. That's not what I want to hear not as at a all. young person. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> uh, but, you know, usually it, it unfolds step by step. You, you may uh, get the what. I think you're always going to get the what. I think I talked about it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're always going to get the what, uh, but the how is going to come later, and uh, it's going to unfold as you go along. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have the finances to finish school. You know, your present job doesn't allow you to uh, have the flexibility to pursue business idea. Everybody says you need uh, more experience. Your family responsibilities leave you with a, uh, with no free time. You're in the wrong part of the country. You're in the wrong part <laughs> of the world. You're, you, you've got debts to pay. You know, visions often die during this stretch of inactivity because it's discouraging. You know, to continue dreaming and dreaming about something that uh, appears to have no potential to ever happen. Yeah. Um, besides, there's no, there's no, there's no, so much in life that must be done. Why waste time dreaming about the impossible? Right. Yeah. Too many hours. Too many hours yep. to start. And the starting blocks can cause us to lose heart. Nehemiah, I talked about him this yeah, weekend. Yeah, yeah. Nehemiah heard about the condition of Jerusalem and. There was uh, there was not one thing he could do about it, you know, when he heard about yeah, it. Yeah, right. I mean, not was, a thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was in the wrong place. He was in the wrong job. He was working for the wrong guy. He had no way of changing any of that. He wasn't free to act on the vision that God gave him. But the flip side of that coin is that God's vision always requires stepping out in faith. So you got to have that yin and the yang, I guess, of uh, patience and stepping out on faith because I, I can't sit around waiting for all the ducks to line up. I, I can't sit around waiting for God to give me all the detailed plans. There are several things I can do while I'm waiting. Yeah, right, right, right. And that's Nehemiah did that, right? That's right. He wasn't inactive. For four months, you know, between uh, hearing about the condition of the walls and finally being able to do something about it, it was productive time for Nehemiah. He, he used that time to prepare for the day when God would release him to pursue his vision. He didn't allow the downtime to discourage or distract him. Uh, he didn't let that dream die. Yeah, and that's, uh, I mean, I feel like you got two kind of competing things there as far as, you know, you can easily let your vision die if you're in a place where you can't, you feel like you can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um but also, and I'm thinking particularly for people like me, uh, 
there sometimes is a pretty hefty element of risk involved in yes. uh, stepping out when when you said all the ducks aren't lined up in a row. I'm thinking, ooh, I don't, I hate, <laughs> I hate it when I can't account for every variable, right? And uh, I have to just step out and go and do, and yeah. that's a. I think vision. One of the biggest lessons I've learned is that you have to be real uncomfortable, real, real comfortable, not uncomfortable. You got to be real comfortable with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a. It's hard. That's a difficult lesson to learn. Um, So speaking of um, Nehemiah and his, you know, he had this preparation kind of stage for stepping into that key moment. What what should we do in the meantime while we're waiting for that green light into action? Well, you know, the problem for most of us is that uh, vision takes root in obscurity. You know, Nehemiah is in the palace, so that's not exactly what you call an obscure place. <laughs> but not, <laughs> he's kind of an obscure guy in the yeah. palace. He doesn't have any power. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's in a nice position because he's got the king's ear, but he doesn't have any real influence. He's, can we say it, he's a slave, basically, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, but think about David. I mean, David was a guy with vision, but... David's relationship with God was really fantastic when he was a young guy, but what's what's he doing while he's a young guy? He's out in the middle of nowhere taking care of sheep. <laughs> sheep. Yeah, not not exactly kingly no. work. Not exactly. And, you know, the lion comes and attacks the flock. He kills the lion. There's no applause there. You yeah. know, ESPN doesn't send out a reporter, you know. There's no CNN, no Fox News <laughs> coming to... Hey, how'd you kill that bear the other day? That's awesome, man. Let's do an article. USA Today didn't put him, you know, uh, on on their in their newspaper. He he did all of this in obscurity. He was by himself. God always gives us His vision for our lives in obscure, private places. And, and here's our problem: mm. our problem in this instant world that we live in, you know, where we stand in front of the microwave and say, "Hurry up, hurry up, hurry up." We want instant. Results. We want mm-hmm. things to be quick. We want marital bliss to happen automatically. We want instant spiritual maturity. We want to be the multimillionaire today. We want to run the company right now. <laughs> and David didn't try to take a shortcut from the pasture to the palace. We say, mm-hmm. I don't want to pay my dues on the hillside. I don't want to get to know God personally. I want stuff now. Give it to me quick, God. Give it to me quick, God. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So if you're in a mailroom at your company right now, you know, and you're saying to yourself, surely no one knows I'm here. Well, <laughs> guess what? God knows you're there, yeah. and God, uh, he does give a flying flip about what you're doing. <laughs> you know, he really does. And uh, maybe you're saying I'm taking care of four kids, and surely it doesn't really matter. Surely I need to be doing something more than this. But the opposite is true. In yeah. those obscure places, mm-hmm. that's where God starts unfolding his vision yeah. for your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that seems to be pretty... Uh... That's another, I think, hard lesson to learn that, uh, you know, getting a vision from God isn't necessarily this moment where you're like, you know, Saul on the Damascus Road where Jesus is going to show up in a blinding light and suddenly you're going to be like, oh, everything is 100% clear now and I understand (laughs) uh, what I, you know, what's next, the next thing and – you know, That's even in that important. story, though, what did what did God actually reveal to Paul when he knocked him yeah, off that horse? He just horse? said, why are you persecuting me? And he says, I'm going to have you do something with the Gentiles. Mm-hmm. That's not a lot of information, right? Right. Not a lot of information. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, God started birthing the vision for Horizon's church uh, while I was working as a laborer on a block laying crew. You know, I wasn't <laughs> a pastor. I, I truly had no desire to go back into church work. I'd tried it. 
didn't like it much, you know, <laughs> these thoughts started forming in my head, these pictures of how a church could be. This is, you know, this is while I'm mixing mortar and this is while I'm yeah. carrying blocks and this is while I'm setting up scaffolding and tearing down scaffolding. I'm thinking, what if we had a church where uh, Christians and non-Christians could understand what's going on, you know, yeah. whether you're a seminary professor or an atheist. What if there was a church that the music sounded a little bit like what people listen to on the radio, you know, that could identify yeah. with the sound, but the words of worship sometimes come straight from the Bible. What mm -hmm. if there was a church that loved people and allowed them to belong even before they were ready to believe? Uh, you know, that, that was going on in very obscure places, you know, yeah. very obscure places. David and Nehemiah, I, I think they did the same thing. You know, they they were birthed, they got vision birthed while they were in obscure spots. So <laughs> I think your original question is, what can we do? Right. <laughs> while, yes, we're, yes. while we're waiting, <laughs> well, here's what we can do. We can pray. Don't underestimate that. We can plan like God's going to say yes to our prayers, mm -hmm. and we can stay faithful during that process. Right. And I think one big thing that I wasn't very good at, and probably not many of us are good at, we need to celebrate little successes. Yeah, that is a, uh, I even think that can be, especially in a culture like ours, where I think some of the emphasis can be on, we're just doing the work, you know, like we're doing good work and that should just be business as normal, if that makes sense, right? That can be, it can be challenging to say, now we're going to stop for a minute. We're actually going to celebrate yeah. this, you know small success, quote-unquote, because right. um, uh, that's the uh, cumulative effect of those small successes that end up taking you somewhere, I think. And it encourages right? your heart yeah. when you when you realize, okay, I haven't been able to fulfill my vision yet, but I've taken a step towards it. Right. It encourages your heart. It's fuel for the tank. Yes, yes. So on the flip side of uh, success... <laughs> And then he asked the question that's uh, all kinds of fun. How have you dealt with uh, disappointments and letdowns regarding your vision? Because uh, those are bound to happen. I just don't allow them. I don't do disappointments, no. <laughs> that's, you just you just have never experienced that. Just like disappointments can't that's be part right. of the picture. We're that's right. We no disappointments, no out. letdowns, none of that. <laughs> now, you know, the biggest, uh, the biggest disappointments and letdowns for me have been people that I thought were on board. You know, or I thought would get on board and they end up going another way. Or worse, you know, a handful, not very many, but a handful have actively tried to vandalize my vision. You mm. know, that's been mm -hmm. hard. I heard Ed Young talk about this once and he called these people vision vandals. I love that oh, term. Vision vandals. vision vandals. People who just take the wind out of your sails, you know, they tell you how you can't can't do it and throw up roadblocks, sit on the sidelines constantly criticizing, lobbing grenades. You know, David had an older brother, going back to David. Mm -hmm. Remember that guy's name? His name was Eliab. What a name. He only shows up once in the Bible. You know? <laughs> <Yes>. and, <laughs> and he really missed his opportunity to make a mark because, you know, forever people are going to remember that guy as the dude who constantly criticized his little brother, David, you know. <laughs> so Eliab shows up once and he simply dismissed David, you know. Uh, and later in life, King Saul, who certainly... Uh, mm, yeah. trying to vandalize David's vision for his life. Uh, Nehemiah had Sam Ballot and Tobiah trying to undermine and derail his vision. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you have these type of critics. Sometimes it's friends. Sometimes it's family members that you think are with you, and then they walk away. And those are huge disappointments. I remember, yeah. I used to think I could, I could convince them. You know, I, I used to think <sighs> I can, I can persuade them. I can win them over, <laughs> and I would literally waste tons of energy, emotional. 
spiritual, physical energy and uh, trying trying to get someone to win over to my vision. And I got to say, after looking back after decades, I think after all these years, the best thing I could do is just ignore them. Mm-hmm. Just ignore them. I mean, if you got a vision vandal who's constantly telling you what you can't do and how the obstacles are going to run you down, uh, you know, I just, you just got to ignore them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, David, he kind of responded like that, right? With he did. His older brother. Yeah. He, he heard what Eliab said, you know, Eliab said, what are you doing here? You little brat, you know, kind of, <laughs> kind of a deal. And David, the Bible says that David turned and he said, what did I do now? And he turned and started talking to somebody else. Yeah. I, I love that. I mm-hmm. think that's probably the best advice. Yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty key. Now, what do you do though in those scenarios where you can't ignore them? <laughs> well, it, like if you have to fire them or something, I've uh, had to do that. Yeah. I mean, that's. Uh, I mean, that's. You know, I don't know how many people are in a position to have to fire people, but you know, I've had to. I've had to fire friends who just wouldn't get on board with where we were going. You know, as a church, um, I've had to kind of not. And relationships, because even when I fire people, I don't want to be their enemy. Um, but I've had to end relationships who, with people who wanted to undermine what I was trying to be as a husband. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. people were. Uh, you, if you if you have vision, people are going to constantly tell you it can't be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how does that? I mean, I'm sure some of that ties back to uh, the fact that if what you said on Sunday this weekend is true, that uh, your vision, quote unquote, is not really your vision. Right. It's God's That's, that's vision, a huge right? thing. I think that's, I don't think, I don't know. I've said it's a strategy, but it's probably more than a strategy. It's something that's helped me with the church vision, especially has been to remind myself in those disappointing moments that it really is God's vision. It's God's church. It's God's got my life, right? I, I'm not my own. Yeah. I'm bought with a price, and it's his vision, not mine, so I can rest knowing that he's got this. Yeah, which leads to another question that uh, you did touch on in your message this weekend, that uh, because we as Christians in particular have sworn allegiance to Jesus, uh, we don't have the same uh, freedom, I guess is the word I'd use, to uh, develop quote-unquote personal visions as maybe our fellow Americans, we, we have a, uh, a higher loyalty to Jesus. So how do our personal visions contribute to the bigger vision of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection? That's, that's a great question because, you know, honoring God involves discovering his picture, his vision of what our lives could be and should be. And, you know, God gets a vote and he gets a veto. (laughs) It's it's unconditional veto power over our visions. You know, but the cool thing, and I really do believe this, and the older I get, the more I believe it. The cool thing for me is that he is also the one who puts these deep longings in our hearts. Mm -hmm. He's the one who crafted your soul. He's the one who created you with this tripwire inside of you that just comes alive when you're pursuing his vision for your life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I said in my message, start with what stirs your soul. Yeah. Because I think looking out at the world and just trying to find out, well, where am I needed? That's not a particularly helpful 
exercise because yeah, you're needed she's everywhere. Gonna say, yeah, you, you are needed everywhere. Uh, yeah. We we can't we can find needs all around us, but noticing needs isn't going to fuel your tank. It's not all right. And when the routine of making a vision a reality hits, and there is a lot of routine involved, you got to have passion for the long haul. So when I'm coaching people through this process, I usually start with the question, what makes you come alive? What stirs your soul? What keeps you awake at night? What's what's the divine must in your life? Mm-hmm. And chances are God put that there. Yeah. He's the one who puts those longings in us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, it kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, Ephesians yeah. 2.10, yeah. where is workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. I think yes. there's a little bit of that you're yeah, touching on there. That's you know? exactly right. It means that each of us is the product of God's vision. I'm the outcome of something that God envisioned. We've been crafted by God for a particular piece of his work. And I love the way God has done this for us. He's he's like this amazing conductor, you know, he's mm-hmm. conducting an orchestra. He put different longings in you than he put in me. Uh, and when we all do our part, we perform this gorgeous cantata known as the gospel. Yeah. All God-ordained visions are shared visions. You know, nobody goes it alone, right? right. How can you do that? Mm-hmm. I'd be pretty yeah. silly trying to run Horizons Church, you know, just me there, right? <laughs> that, would be, that wouldn't work very well. Yeah, but, uh, but he did uh, raise up, like particularly in you, you had the, the vision to launch and plant the church. Mm-hmm. And then it was people came around you and have helped you advance that forward, right? Yeah, you know and, I mean? and a lot of times... Well, I, I probably all the time. It's their vision is a piece of what my vision is. You know, it's yeah. not like it's not like I'm saying, "Hey, you got to help me do my vision." Usually, usually, God puts vision in their soul that is complementary or part of a puzzle piece. You know, mm-hmm. uh, usually God will put someone you know who can kind of be the point person, mm-hmm. paint a compelling verbal picture or mental picture. Picture to capture hearts and imaginations of those who God is calling to embrace the task, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So God gave me a vision for Horizons, but I'm certainly not the only person that he gave that vision to. Right. And uh, that that leads to, we got time for one more question here. One more. One more. <laughs> what? And I got to uh, go wash the car or something. <laughs> <That's, I don't>. <laughs> <laughs> this is the uh, honesty <laughs> moment in the podcast. What, um, kind of piggybacking off what you just said, you know, I think in particular today, our society is saturated with the visions of other people. Um, I mean, you know, with social media and the internet uh, and the advance of digital communication, I mean, you can get all kinds of things. I mean, you get somebody's vision for a church or, you know, a business in Europe that has nothing to do with your context. Um, How do we maintain our own authentic God-given vision as opposed to just falling into the temptation to imitate someone else point blank. That's a legit concern. You know, I can confess that I think it's a little bit of an overrated concern Uh because, you know, (laughs) God has created us as individuals, you know, so our our vision may have an individual uniqueness to it. Mm -hmm. But I think more importantly, uh, we are all interrelated and we are deeply connected, especially as members of the church, the body of Christ. And and my vision is unique to me, but making the vision a reality, wow, you know, that process has been shaped, it's been influenced, it's it's been greatly 
assisted actually by hundreds, thousands of other people. Mm-hmm. You know, in preparation for Make Horizons Church a Church for the Unchurched, I read dozens of books. I I visited other churches who were reaching lots of unchurched people. I I think that was important. You know, yeah. it, it was preparation, it was planning, and those books, those churches, they shaped, influenced how I implemented the vision that I received from God. I I think that's legit. I don't think that's wrong. I think God intentionally set up the church that way so we don't have to think think up everything, you know, on yeah, our own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would uh, be exhausting. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you know, God gave me a, a pretty clear picture of how I wanted to have my role as a father to look. Uh, but that was there was a ton, man. There was a ton of uncertainty about mm-hmm. how I was going to make that happen. I didn't have a role model because my father died when I was very young. So right. I prepared you know, I started talking to other guys. I started reading books by John Eldridge, Robert Lewis, others. Those those men shaped, they influenced how I executed that vision. I could probably say that for every vision that I've ever birthed in my life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So vision does take root in obscurity. It really does, but it doesn't take shape in a vacuum. Mm, yeah, that's a good distinction. Yeah. God puts mentors in our lives. He puts mentors in the church for a reason. Not to give up, not to give us a vision, but uh, definitely to shape. shape and influence it. Yeah, that's pretty good. Well, that uh, was a very helpful discussion. I think that cleared up some things for us and gave us a good picture into how that's worked in your own really? life. Yeah, well, you know. It just confused now. me. I, <laughs> I, I think I – should we edit that uh, out too? That's, you know, I, I, for the sake of honesty, you know, we could probably keep that in there. Good laugh. <laughs> Oh, well, thanks for joining us and uh, for clarifying on all that for us. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll, uh, we'll get back at you next time. And don't forget, as always, if you have questions or things you want to address that we might be able to tackle on the podcast, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net. Mm-hmm.